Daydreaming about dragons. It's been a little while, so let's just go over how the show works. Uh, it's around 20 minutes long, and the first part of the show, we talk about a tabletop technique, something that's going on at my table that I think will be useful or a useful part of the conversation. And then we go to Inspiration Goat, which in which uh, a real inspirational goat offers a piece of media and and we take what something that we can from that piece of media it's not a review it's more of a hey what can we learn a, for our gaming in this piece of media what can we take what 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 bits what thematic thing can we take from it or or something uh that we can learn and bring it back to our gaming table so that's what we're going to do today uh, and the tabletop technique is going to be about scheduling which might sound really boring but if you don't got scheduling, you don't have, you don't have a game. So I'm not just going to kvetch, oh my goodness, I can't get everyone to agree on a time. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about what kind of scheduling techniques have led to the most successful gaming in my life, uh, in my adult life, and what, what doesn't work. Uh, and what is, uh, you know, what, or what, not, not necessarily what doesn't work, but what, is the most challenging. So let's get to it. Okay, so I want to talk about three different groups of people who I game with. And right now in my life, all of these groups are via Zoom, right? So they're all online groups. I don't have a face-to-face -face group at the moment, but this scheduling, the, these scheduling things that we're going to talk about uh, affect all of them. And these are all the all what I like about these three groups is they have very different ways of scheduling the games. Okay, ready? Let's go. I've got my Thursday night group, right? And they're aptly named. It's the Thursday night group. We have been playing since COVID started. So it's been a long time. It's been what, four, almost five years. Uh, and and we game from 730 till 10. Okay, we meet at 730 and we don't start gaming till eight. So we have that, that half hour to kind of catch up. How are you doing? How's just, you know, how's the spouse? How's work? How are things? And then we jump into the game at eight, give or take. We game for an hour. We stop at nine for our break, uh, you know, bio breaks. Uh, so I can medicate my cat, that kind of thing. And then we game till 10. Sometimes we go a little bit late, but the, the, it's a hard, it's a pretty hard stop at 10. We've gone 10, 10, 10, 15 at times, but we really try not to. Everybody there is a professional. Uh, it's a lot of people when everybody shows up. Uh, I, I, you know, we probably should have split this up into two groups, but I adore everyone who shows up. So I'm glad, I'm kind of glad we don't. Um, right now, a couple of players are dealing with things, so they are not showing up as often. Uh, and so the rest of us are holding it down. Um, what works about this group? Why is this group the one I would consider maybe the most successful of the lot? Why does this group get more gaming in than any other group I'm involved with? There is something important about setting that time of week when you're going to game. There's just something about a weekly thing that you know you're going to do. And, and it's important. And you're not, you know, you might, I had family visiting from out of town, you know, this past week. And so I put the game off for a week because these are people who 
I, I might not see for years and years and years, right? And that's important, but it was a very big decision. So setting aside that night and saying we're gaming on this night is huge. It's just powerful and huge. And what happens is, is after some time where you're doing this for a regular amount of time, you realize how important it is to have that kind of consistency, to have that kind of thing that you're looking forward to every week and let's do it. It's just, it becomes a part of your self-care. I know that's an overused word. I apologize for throwing it out there, but that's where that's where this falls into my life is it's 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 important enough that it's part of my mental health. And it's huge. Uh, and and setting that night aside, even if everyone can't make it every week, you can set up games so that's okay. Right? There are ways to structure the fiction of your games and to pick a type of game so that that is all right. You don't have to show up to every night. Show up when you can and we'll get to it. And, and there are ways of doing that. You know, you can, you, can, you can structure the game for that. We'll talk about that a little bit, the game structure uh, at the end. But uh, right now I just wanna talk about the three different types of scheduling, okay? Group number two, is a bunch of people who I've also known for a really long time. Uh, we, we games together when I was, I don't want to say an undergrad, but like just post undergrad. And I met most of these people through this game. I'm really excited to know them. I, I loved the game that we were all a part of. And I'm just happy to know these folks. Uh, and so we kind of got back together regularly through this game. Now the scheduling is messy. Everyone in this group is really busy. We've got two parents. We've got, uh, you know, everyone is a professional. Um, it's, it's four people all together. Whereas the Thursday night group is like seven people all together, which is too big. It's too big for zoom. We can talk about that another time. Group size is a whole other shindig, but this group meets, uh, we basically try to schedule a game at the end of the session uh, and, and try to figure out two, one or two times a month where we can get together. And we're, we're playing uh, Mythic Bastion Lands. And when someone can't make it, we pick up a B game. So I ran a game of Under Hollow Hills. Um, we, were, we were going to play this past weekend. I had a family emergency, so I had to run. Uh, but we were getting ready to play. Someone else was going to GM, my friend Rob. Really exciting. But the group is difficult because we because scheduling those weekends are very challenging. Uh, and and it's just, it's so nice to see everyone's face that it's a challenge everyone there is willing to undertake. And that's lovely. Uh, and But you can definitely feel that the, the, the lack of consistency hurts us. Um, it makes the game a little bit less satisfying than a weekly game. There is something magical about the weekly rhythm that I really dig, but very challenging. And honestly, at this point, uh, you know, I'm, my, my Thursday nights because of work is in jeopardy. So I'm going to, I'm going to have trouble holding that weekly thing together. Anyway, 
this group is 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 great. All these groups are great, but again, challenging to get you know find those times and and figure out you know are there any Sundays this month where you can get together uh, and throw kids, throw careers, throw uh, caretaking into the mix, and it can get really really challenging. But still lovely, still lucky to be gaming, still love to see their faces. And the third group is entirely different than the first two. Uh, I'm going to talk about the the actual play Twitch stream, right? Uh, this is a group where when we meet, we we stream these games live and put them out onto YouTube, and that changes everything about it, right? You have to consider those games in an entirely different light. You have to think about what you're saying. You have to think about what you're saying about gaming, what you're saying about people, what you're saying, what you got to think about things that you don't have to think about in your private games. And it changes everything about the game uh, in some ways, but in other ways, what I like about this group is that we game on stream the same way we game in our regular games, right? It's just like I, I've seen people and I've, I've had people go from the, the regular game, uh, like a, a streaming game, and then play in my, in one of my personal games on Fridays. That used to happen before I became employed. So it's, it's a very different challenge. Um, what I'm going to try to do with this group is set up something where I, I, we pick a night and, and that night we do something kind of game. Um, even if it's, and, and I'll talk more, you know, I, what I'd like to do, I'm really fascinated by classic traveler recently, and I'll put some links in the show notes, uh, both to the Twitch stream, actual play to the YouTube channel of actual play and to my traveler notes. And I was, I was thinking like, could we stream a classic traveler game where if everybody can't make it, we just make up new characters in the same world and we just go and we build something slowly together. And, and what's, what's more frightening for me really is can my life handle it? Because I just sent everybody an email and said, this is what's happening in my life. I might have to cancel last minute. Um, things are hectic but I want to give this a shot and I might be wrong. This might've just been the wrong game at the wrong time in my life. Uh, I've got, I've got family responsibilities that I cannot set aside when, when the, the call comes in and, and uh, Gondor calls for aid and the beacons are lit. I got to just go. It's an emergency. It's the people most important to me. So that changes everything about gaming. That changes the whole thing. And yeah, so I just sent everybody an email and I, I just let them know on the table, you know, everyone in, in, in that email are people I adore, but I just wanted to let them know, hey, I might have to cancel with two minutes to spare. We might be, we might be doing mic checks and I might be like, I gotta go. And I just wanted people to know that. I felt like I needed to, you know, we're not, we're not streaming for money. We're not trying to be, the next critical role or, or, or anything like that. Uh, but there's, there, there is something to it uh, and it, it changes things. So yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I don't know. I might not, I that might be the one game too many. 
And we should talk about that a little bit too, right? So what am I saying about scheduling? Here's what I'm saying. The most successful games I've been involved in have been games where I say to a person or people, uh, this is the game I'd like to run this game on this night for this long. If you'd like to play, let me know. And if not, that's cool. I'll catch you next time. Right? That is when I've had the most successful gaming. And that's not always feasible, right? You might not have that night to carve out. Uh, I, I'm finding it really difficult. And work can change everything. And if you change the night, it can change everything about the game. So what am I saying? I'm saying this ain't easy. I'm saying find the way that works for you. Another model that I really liked is I would, I, I did this thing on Facebook where I, I put a thing up and I was like, hey, I'm putting all of my nerdy game related friends in one group. If you'd like to join, here's the join. And it ended up being well over a hundred people. And so that's where I put game links and cool trailers. And it's just like, it's like my nerd friends group, right? It's like a subcategory within my friends group. And then within that group, I said, Hey, does it, you know, it seems like a lot of people are saying how they'd like to game. Do we want to set up a twice a month game? So what I did with that group is, is I, I just said, these are the nights I'm going to be able to game this month. If you'd like to game, go join that event and we'll, we'll do the first four or five people who, who join. And that's a nice, that's a really nice model. I like that model too. Um, it's not, I haven't seen it be as successful as the others. Um, and, and there's kind of a West Marches vibe to it, but it can be a lot of fun. So think about that. Think about putting all of your gaming friends all in one little barrel and then saying, who wants to game on this night? Uh, and, and I think that, I think that is also a really fun model uh, that can be cool, whether it's a Facebook group or your discord or whatever it is, uh, whatever, however you're keeping your, your community together in this strange post Twitter world. So as I round the, what I'm saying is as I round the corner on my forties and I get towards my fifties, the most important thing about gaming is seeing, having, having a tangible excuse to see my friends' faces. That's nice. That's really nice because what can happen otherwise is, especially my friends who are spread out all over the world, it can be years since I've seen you and talked to you. And, and no, I don't want the only time I get together with my friends to be pretend time and, 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 uh, game time, but it's a, it, it's, it's a damn good excuse. And if you meet in the pretend time, you'll probably find time to meet in the real time. So make that time, find the way that works for you. Don't think there's only one way to get a game together. There's tons of ways. Find the way that works for you and your friends and rock the hell out. Right. You can, if, if you are dealing with a lot going on in your life, it's probably even more important, right? It's like that yoga saying, uh, if you can't do this pose for two minutes, if you can't find the time in your busy life to do this pose for two minutes, then you should probably be doing it for two hours. So find the time to do the, find the time to gain, find the time. 
uh, if it's at all possible and, and get together with your friends, revel in their imaginations and let me know what works for you. As always, Daydreaming About Dragons is a conversation. I'm not trying to speak from a pulpit. So if you've got a method of scheduling that, that works for you, let me know what it is. So maybe something that wasn't on this list, maybe something totally new, maybe something I just hadn't even considered. Let me know. I'd love to hear about it. All right. You know what time it is. It's everyone's favorite time. You haven't heard it in a while. It's time for Inspiration Go. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Inspiration Goat. So we are going to talk about Dead House Gates, which is book two in Malazan, Book of the Fallen, a book written by Stephen Erickson, which is actually a couple of different authors writing under one name. Uh, I believe it was based on a role-playing game originally. Uh, we're just going to get to it. If you do, haven't ever read this book, it doesn't matter. There will be no spoilers. If you hate these books, that's okay. We're going we're gonna to pluck something out of it that I think was interesting and and talk about how we can use it in our gaming. So as long as you're interested in gaming, it doesn't matter what you think of these books or military fantasy or grim dark of which you know this, this book is very much in that genre but if you're interested in, in plucking things out of gaming out of out of your books for gaming then this might be interesting for you so here we go malazan book of the fallen book two dead house gates so the first thing i really want to say is, is i kind of bounced off the first book gardens of the moon i read it and it wasn't my cup of tea but now i've got a a, a pretty long commute and again. And uh, so I, I needed something to fill it. And I had this audiobook, And so it was a nice way to fill the time. And I found that I enjoyed these books on audiobook more than I did reading them. Uh, I could kind of phase out and phase in and, and come back and I'd, I'd, get, I'd, I'd enjoy it. So if you bounced off these books, I get it. I bounced off them too at first, but I found them very enjoyable via audiobook. So what did I like about these books? And what, well, not what, what did I like? Um, what did I want what, to, what, what made me think about gaming? Two things in the book really stood out to me. One is the kind of magic system. And, and I'm not going to delve too deep into it, but there's this neat thing where everyone who is a mage has kind of like access to another world within them. Right, and it's called your warren, and that's where you pull magic out of. You pull it out of your warren, which is like your link to otherworldly energies. I, I don't know how else to describe it. And the other interesting thing is, is they don't describe it. You're kind of learning about how warrens work as the book goes, and, and they'll do things like they'll run into a warren of an old dead wizard and then have to like deal with the rules of this world. So essentially what I like about this Warren idea is that it basically turns everyone who uses magic into, they basically have a dungeon in them, right? They have an other world in their soul that you can accidentally be dragged into by getting too close to their magic. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty damn neat. You, you literally, like, it turns every wizard into a damn dungeon is what it does, which is cool. And it also gives, 
everyone who uses magic a, a world of their own to kind of make and shape. And it could look like anything. It could look like, you know, leagues of dead water. It could look like an old ruin. It could look like a bunch of different things. But, and sometimes other people will come through your warren. I just love what that's, I love, I love that I don't know the rules of it and I have to learn it through reading. Uh, it makes me really want the books to, to grab, you know, and I want to see an apprentice, apprentice mage learn the craft so I can learn what they're taught about warrants and what the dangers are. But as it is, we're kind of learning along with the other characters and it's super fun. I, I like, I like magic systems. I like what they say about the world. Uh, and I, we've talked about that before. You know, you can't make a magic system without saying something concrete about the actual world is, is something that I've said before on the show. And, and Warrens are interesting. Warrens are, you know, in order to do magic, you have to, you have to take some of the weird right into your soul. And I dig that. Uh, I love when, when adventuring makes characters weird. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay, there's another scene in this book that is a total throwaway scene, and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about why I like it and, and what I think it means in gaming. And here is the scene. The, the characters, doesn't matter who, are going through kind of a, a warren other world, and they see in the distance three dragons in the sky. And the dragons just kind of drift off as a V, and disappear back into the real world from the warren. And the characters have no idea who those dragons are, what they are. They have no idea why they were in this warren. They have no idea where they are going. It just is a mystery. And I like that. Um, not everything has to feed into everything, right? And I bet eventually through the course of the books, we'll find out who those dragons are. We'll find out where they were going. I bet, I bet we'll learn about them, but I like just weird little unexplained things. I think that can be the beauty of a well-made random encounter is you just run into something that lets you know the world is bigger than what's going on around your character. And, and it gives you a sense of depth and gives you a sense of, a broader world out there in a way that can be really cool. And maybe the characters just start tracking those dragons and, and, and really, you know, do everything they can to learn where, where they were going and what they were doing, but maybe not, maybe it's just, maybe it's just a thing that, that, that hangs there. Um, not everything needs to be a hook. Not everything needs to thematically challenge anyone. Not everything needs to, to test the heroes to find out who they really are. Sometimes you put something in there because you just think it's cool. And sometimes those things can just let everyone at the table know, oh, there's bigger stuff out there than just us. And that's a lot of fun. I love that idea. Uh, I, I, I don't want the players to feel small, right? I don't want to put them down and make them feel tiny, but I do want them to make them, I do want the players to feel like there's a larger world operating around them. And there's a bunch of tools, I think, that can help you do that. Uh, I'm thinking of random tables, and I'll, I'll post some links to random, to random tables. And the other thing that I think can help is, is kind of faction play. 
if you look at Kevin Crawford's work in Godbound and in Stars Without Number, uh, Worlds Without Number, that kind of stuff, you can see those the, the faction play can really uh, have things going on in the background that have a lot of depth that the players might you know not fully know about, and and that can be a lot of fun. Uh, and the other thing that can make that happen is, you know, like the title of the show says, daydreaming. Just daydream about your world a little bit. What's going on out there? What's going on beyond the horizon? You know, how are the things the players are doing affecting things way out there? What ripples in the pond are, are, are going out and coming back? That's, that's the kind of stuff that's kind of fun. So that's why the show is called Daydreaming About Dragons, folks. And, and that scene was, was the daydreamiest, dragonist scene that I'd seen in a while. So I definitely wanted to talk about it here. So we're getting towards the end. Uh, let me know what you do with scheduling. Let me know, uh, you know, drop me a line and let me know what you do to, you know, show how magic works in your world and, and, and show the, how weird it can be. And let me know what you do to let the players know that there's a larger world out there, right? I would love to hear from you. You can drop me a line. And how do you drop me a line? I'm about to tell you. Thank you so much for listening to Daydreaming About Dragons. I appreciate you. I appreciate the people who are contributing. There are ways to contribute to each episode. Uh, you can click on the link, go to Spotify or Anchor or however you're getting to it. And uh, there are ways to monetarily contribute. But the one of the best ways to contribute is to leave a review uh, over on iTunes. I've got 24 reviews. I'd love 40. 40 reviews would be a respectable number of reviews. So if you've got time, drop over uh, to whatever podcast app you are using and leave me a review. I would love it. I'd appreciate it. It would help me make this show and, and I'd appreciate it more than I can say. Uh, if you want to contact me and answer any of the questions brought up, I, I want the show to be a conversation and not uh, a, you know, the Ten Commandments. So if there's something that came up that you thought was interesting, that you thought was just wrong, that you thought wasn't in your experience, that you thought was uh, great, whatever, drop me a line. Uh, my email is judd.karlman at gmail.com. I'll say that again while you scramble for a pen. Ooh, that rhymed. Judd dot k-a-r-l-m-a-n at gmail.com. I will have a link in the show notes to all of my links. So you'll be able to find me on Blue Sky or Mastodon or the uh, Fury Road known as Twitter. And, uh, you know, drop me a line. Let me know what you thought of the show. I would love to hear from you. All right. Thank you for listening. This was the 97th episode. We're rounding in on 100 and I'm damned excited. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you're having a great summer and we'll be back at it.